Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan's football program accomplished what it set out to do on National Signing Day, inking all 21 other commits and then adding two more top 200 prospects by the end of the day. How far did Michigan move up in the rankings? And what does this class mean moving forward? We discuss ahead on Wolverine Confidential. We have a special guest today, Bryce Marich from the Michigan Insider, uh, here to talk a little bit of about Michigan recruiting. And uh, I spoke with Bryce on Monday too, kind of about what to expect from the Wolverines during uh, during the early signing day, and he pretty much uh, nailed it on the head. They got a, a couple commits during the week, um, and then added uh, two more on on Wednesday, two top two hundred guys. Um, so I mean, yeah, uh, pretty uh, pretty good insight from from Bryce at, at the Michigan Insider. So we definitely recommend you guys are going to get a subscription there. They've been doing great work over there for years. But yeah, wanted to get your thoughts overall, key takeaways from from this class and, and it's early signing day, Bryce. Yes, I would. Uh, first off, I'd say anytime Michigan does not make a top five going forward, that's good news. So I want fans <laughs> to understand that is good news. Okay. Uh, but all jokes aside, I think yesterday was a best case scenario for them in terms of best to worst case scenario, how signing day could play out. They got a best case scenario, starting off with the top overall commit or signing in the class, you know, at a, um, the highest rated guy, six foot four, I think nearly 260 pounds. He's going to bulk up to 280. It's going to be coming off the edge and with Michigan success there with edge rushers. I mean, this was an easy call for him. He's an engineer. He's going to go into engineer um, at Michigan and super smart kid, you know, super smart. I mean, he builds computers from scratch, which I couldn't fathom doing. You know, I go to the <laughs> Apple store. That's the closest <laughs> I get to a, a computer. But uh, super smart kid. He was looking at Stanford as one of his other finalists. And at, towards the very end, he had several other schools. Miami was very prominent in his recruitment at the very end, making a push. Um, and that's worrisome, especially with what basically Miami does with an IL, you All know? Right. And so we weren't sure there if Michigan was able to hold on to him or not. They got the job done. This was a guy that Mike Elston first offer he got one, he got to Ann Arbor, the defensive line coach here at Michigan was to, you know, at a, so this is a guy they made a priority from day one on this coaching staff, especially Mike Elston. And they did a fantastic job wrapping up that recruitment and keeping him in the fold. You know, that was the most important thing. Yeah. How much of a threat was it to, to, for other schools coming in and, and trying to to pry him away from, from Michigan? Because, like, yeah, I mean, like you said, like Miami was coming on strong and, and one of his closest friends in the class. Uh, Collins Achiapon was was really close with him. And, and when he flipped to Miami, I think a lot of people were – we're pretty nervous about. Oh my gosh, is is are we going to lose our top rated guy, two of our top rated guys to Miami who just finished five and seven? Yeah. So, um, anytime you you lose your best friend, you know you're definitely going to take a peek at that school. And I mean, Miami's Miami. You got the great weather. You know, NIL is churning down there. Um, it's a program many feel like is on the rise. It's a top recruiting class, and let's it's. Let's, a spade is a spade. Let's call it what it is that top guys want to play with other top guys. And if you look at Miami's recruiting class, it's in the top five of recruiting rankings. And they have a lot of elite players coming to Cora Gables. I think that was really enticing to, you know, at a, but 
he he's had long standing relationships on the coaching staff with Michigan. He's built a very good bond with the other commits um, in this class. And overall, I think he felt like it was the perfect fit in Ann Arbor on it and also off the field. And I know his parents super, super high on academics. And you're not going to top what Michigan can offer in that department as well. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. And yeah, I mean, being able to keep these guys in the fold and then then adding two top top 200 guys on signing day gets them up to, I think, yeah, number 17 in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. I mean, yeah, considering Michigan's 13-0 record and being in the college football playoff, uh, I mean, not being in the top 15 is a little bit surprising. Um, but again, like we've talked about in the podcast before, they've been very active in the transfer portal. Um, and yeah, they, they were able to get, get some t- intriguing guys on signing day. I know Jair Hill, uh, we talked about this on, on Monday, Bryce, is, is a cornerback that, I mean, they need to continue to stock the cupboards full of defensive backs, given the kind of uncertain, uncertainty at that position moving forward. And um, it was, that was probably the, the highlight of the day was, it was late. It ended up being almost Wednesday evening when, when Jair Hill made his announcement in, at his school in, in Illinois. And I mean, he didn't name Michigan in his top five on Monday. And then uh, I was like, people are like, Oh my God. Well, I thought Michigan was the front runner there. And sure enough, he end, ends up pulling a little bit of a head fake there and, and choosing, chooses the Wolverines uh, anyways, and, and kind of puts the bow on this, uh, this early signing class. Yeah. I mean, he did his, uh, I call it best Ray Allen impression. Man, the good old pump fake there had the guy <laughs> flying by it. Everyone, you know, got faked out. And especially even he joked after signing with Michigan um, and making that commitment live at his school after he called uh, Coach Harbaugh Coach Klinkscale. He's like, man, I gave Coach Klinkscale a heart attack because, as you guys know, talking to him, he's a very – uh, straightforward, you know, down the middle type of guy. <laughs> and Jair's a big time jokester. So uh, he wanted to create, I think, some buzz and some excitement around his announcement. I don't blame him. Um, I know Michigan fans probably didn't appreciate that, but <laughs> they're happy that he's in the class. And he's a guy that I think could be the one of the top players when it's all said and done. When you look back at this class a couple years from now, six foot one, I want to say it's 170, 175. Um, you watch his high school tape, and he's actually playing free safety. But he's going to be coming in at a cornerback position for Michigan. And if you're looking at kind of what the new age of cornerbacks are, they're bigger, taller, athletic guys that can cover guys like what TCU is going to show, you know, come in the playoffs, some of these bigger, wider, um, wide receivers. So. Will Johnson's a perfect example of that. Look at how he succeeded um, and how well he's done. I think Jair, right now, he's a top 247 talent in terms of rankings. But when I watch him play and what I see, he's got the potential to be a top 100, top 50 type of talent. He's that good. He's that special. He's exciting. He's electric in the open field, even on offense. I think this is a guy we could see on special teams and – he is in a position of need. And the biggest question is, can he come in and play right away? I think that's a tall task and tall ask for a freshman. And what the difference is when you're comparing him to maybe like uh, Will Johnson, you know, he came up through a sound mind, sound body with his dad. And so he was as a middle schooler going against high schoolers 
And he basically was like a thoroughbred horse. You know, he was trained from the jump to be this basically perfect cornerback. Um, and he got elite training. You know, he's got good genetics, comes from a father who played at Michigan. And so I think with him, he was born and raised. And you can see how technically sound he is. You know, you could tell he's more advanced than most freshmen that play a corner. But with Jair, he's got the skill set, athleticism, and speed and size to where I think he could make an impact as a freshman. But I think there's going to be a learning curve. And you even saw that with Will. I mean, Will started turning on here towards the tail end of the season. But even at the very beginning, you saw kind of him still getting his footing. And I think Jair, he's in the same boat as Will. So excellent probably not the same. Yeah, probably not the same competition in Kankakee, Illinois either. <laughs> no, no, not for sure. But again, excellent pickup and a guy that they've been recruiting for several years and this was basically in my opinion a must land and they got the job done yeah, and also bolstered their the receiver group as, as well with uh with a uh guy from alabama which i mean isn't really uh mission it's tough for them to, i mean it's tough for any northern school to go down to alabama and, and pluck any talent from from there but um received a commitment from four-star receiver carmelo english uh another top 200 guy in the composite rankings but yeah, I mean, I mean, Alabama looks like he was in, in their top, in his top group uh, of schools. So, um, I mean, was previously committed to Auburn, and it seems like his commitment and kind of picked or his recruitment to Michigan maybe picked up recently because I mean, it seemed like it, there was the polls were pretty cool for a while, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now he's trending to Michigan and ends up picking the Wolverines. Yeah, so all credit for this recruitment goes to Ron Bellamy, the wide receivers coach. Um, like you like you said, he committed to Auburn over the summer, and he actually took an official visit to Michigan in June. Uh, came away really impressed by what Michigan has to offer both on and off the field, but in the end, I think he wanted to stay closer to home, and the consensus with his recruitment was, you know, a guy from Alabama, he's probably going to stay in SEC territory. That's just it, it is how it is with those recruitments. So, but the thing is, and we, we saw it last cycle with like a Darius Clemens and Derek Moore and Keon Saab and so many more of those guys is Michigan basically kept the iron and, you know, the fire. And so they kept the lines of communication open because you never know what can happen. And lo and behold, Auburn has a coaching change, you know? So then at that point, He's like, all right, let me step back. He decommits. He's reevaluating his options. Um, and it basically, in my opinion, came down to Kentucky and Michigan. I know Kentucky also was making a strong push with NIL with him. But in the end, I think, again, he came up for the Penn State game and walked away saying, why not Michigan? Why, why not Michigan? And I think at that point, he kind of knew he wanted to go to Michigan. He still had a couple of things he wanted to sort out with his family and still figure out. But at the end of the day, he had a really good relationship with Ron Bellamy. He felt the offense, especially with J.J. McCarthy, he's going to get the ball. And overall, this was the perfect fit for him. So excellent land. And look at the job Ron Bellamy has now done the past two wide receiver classes. You know, you got Amarion Walker. Tyler Morris, Darius Clements, Samaj Morgan, Frederick Moore, and now Carmel English. 
That's how you compete at a high level when you stack classes like that together. That that was my biggest takeaway from Carmelo English. You're getting this high level skill player from the South. Like you said, Michigan has been hot or cold with that in, in years past. Um, and I, I think this is where maybe the winning comes in. You know, we talked, we talked at, you know, at length now of in weeks past of the ability of Michigan, you know, channeling victories and success on the field into wins in the recruiting class, recruiting uh, department. And I think this is a perfect example of that. Uh, and of note here, I was listening to Jim Harbaugh's comments last night on the, on the in the trenches podcast. Uh, Carmelo was actually coached by Bo Nix's uh, father at Phoenix City Central High School. So there's actually an interesting uh, note there. But yeah, I thought that was a huge win for them. I mean, second, obviously, addition on, on, on signing day. And it's not like this low-level three-star kid. He's a high-level four-star top 200 player. I mean, this is a guy that could come in and, and make an immediate impact and is a receiver that isn't turned away by Michigan's offense. I think that was also, also like a, a question mark coming in. Like Michigan still is running the football. They're still choosing to win the game on the ground. Yet they're still able to come away with a high level receiver, and I think that was probably, in my opinion, maybe one of Michigan's biggest victories in the in uh, on Wednesday. It's funny because all year, and especially you guys know, going the meet availabilities is the question was always asked: Can they throw the ball? Can they throw the ball? Well, they've shown the past two games when they have to throw the ball, they can, and you darn sure know that for a fact that they showed Carmelo. Hey, guess what? When we want to throw the ball. And this is the guy we got coming back, J.J. McCarthy. You're going to get the ball. Don't worry. So I think that was another big thing with that recruitment. Uh, I'm curious to your thoughts on this, Bryce. I, I noticed that, I mean, last year with with uh, Clemens and Walker, um, both guys that are kind of taller outside receivers. But this year, I mean, they signed three receivers, but all six feet or under. I'm curious, are they all maybe slot projections or do do that do you think anyone could slide outside or what where do you think they fit into this offense i think with these three um the biggest thing ron bellamy wanted were guys that have what i call position flexibility so you can play these guys on the outside and for example samaj morgan who played at west bloomfield um and a lot of people might be familiar because he's a local kid he played a lot of the outside receiver too, you know, and especially with him. I mean, he even played quarterback. He played running back. He played even, you know, secondary for West Moonfield this season. So these are guys that are very versatile. They can do a lot. They know how to play the X, the Z, the Y, all the positions on the outside and inside. And I think that's what Michigan's looking for. Not, you know, a one trick pony per se, but guys that can, if you put them on the outside, they've done it before and they know how to execute a high level. So all three of these guys can do it. I think the biggest threat on the outside, though, is Frederick Bohr, who had an incredible senior season um, at a high level in Missouri at Cardinal Ritter Prep, which is one of the top high schools there. And he had 28 touchdowns. And I think the biggest thing was him was what is his speed? People wanted to know, can he basically threat a defense with his speed and he showed this season that not only can he hurt him with his speed but he can create that separation and also make the catch so that's another guy i think people should not sleep on when you're looking at this recruiting class and it seems like he's a really polished route runner too for for being for sure. a high school guy for sure i want to ask about cole cabana i mean he's the second highest ranked kid on this class he's a local guy four-star running back out of dexter six feet 180 
was there ever any doubt with him in, ter- uh, in terms of his commitment? And where does he project in terms of like skill set? Like, is there a running back on the Michigan roster that their co- the coaching staff compares him to, or is he kind of a, a, a you know a, a a different guy? Yeah. So to answer your first question, um, another guy that Miami at the very end tried <laughs> to sneak in and try to get in was with Cole, and they saw a senior tape with him putting over 2000 yards on the ground. And um, I think he finished was over 3000 all purpose yards and dozens of touchdowns. So I think they looked at him or like, okay, this guy can play and let's see if he's uh will bite at this line. And so he didn't take the, he didn't take the bait. He stayed committed to Michigan. And I think big credit there goes to Mike Hart. That was a relationship that formed his junior year. Um, and I think sometimes Michigan takes their time, especially with in-state guys, especially knowing, you know, they can land some of these guys a little later than others. And they offered him a little later in the process after his junior season, but I think they're completely sold on him. And in terms of how he uh, projects to Michigan and maybe comparison, the biggest thing he's told me, I think it's, a no-brainer comparison is Donovan Edwards. When you watch Cole Cabana, he's very effective, you know, running the ball, but also catching the ball. You know, this guy has shown the ability to come out of the backfield, even play the slot. And as, you know, Ryan had said, he can play even the outside position at wideout. So this guy can do it all. Um, just like how they utilize Donovan, especially catching the ball. I think you're going to see the same thing with Cole. Um, elite route runner, great hands, good catch radius, and he's the guy that can perform at a high level. And I think the biggest question mark coming into a senior season wasn't more so that, but can he run, you know, in between the tackles? How strong and how durable is this guy? And Dexter used the hell out of him this season. I mean, he carried Dexter, and I so I went tipsy high. Dexter was never a football school. They were never good, ever, ever, ever. And he almost got them to Ford Field this season. So this guy is a lead talent, big-time playmaker, and Michigan fans should be really happy with him. And he's going to be enrolling early. So he's got the chance to actually see the field as well as a freshman. It is pretty crazy. When I was covering high school preps in Ann Arbor, Dexter and Huron were just <laughs> – I didn't I didn't go to any of their games because they, they had – two, three, four winless seasons in a row, and they didn't produce any talent. And then, of course, this class, Michigan signs a, a kid from both schools. It's it's pretty remarkable, the the turnarounds they've had at those programs. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Bryce. I mean, it's all going to come down to how he can continue to build himself up physically um, as a freshman. It's going to determine how much playing time he, he receives because the talent is there. It's just, yeah, I mean – Going up against high school guys is a little bit different than running between the tackles against some of these big Big Ten linemen. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely an intriguing prospect for sure. Um, and I'm sure Ben Herbert will will get to work with him early um, in in the weight room. So, on a related note, how how many guys do you expect to enroll early, and and are a lot of them uh, expect or a lot of the top guys expected to enroll early, or what are you hearing on that front, Bryce? I think last count I had was about eight of or nine of the 23 guys are slated to be enrolling early. I mean, you got both running backs, um, Benjamin Hall, Cole Cabana coming in. I think also Jair Hill, the top ranked or one of the top ranked guy in this class, he's going to be enrolling early. So several other guys, Samaj Morgan will be enrolling early. Amir Herring, 
both West Bloomfield guys. And the biggest thing with that is they get to go through spring ball, but they get adjusted to college life. Because I remember when I was a freshman, man, I was overwhelmed just trying to find class, you know, and now you're expecting these guys to find class. And now they got to deal with practice and learning a playbook, which I couldn't even imagine how big that thing is. So there's a lot to adjust to just coming in and learning college in general. Forget football aspects of it. It's just learning college, you know, so just being learning to be on time for things, right? Showing up oh, at the yeah. proper time, time management right. for sure. Which I was terrible at. <laughs> I think a lot of us probably were. Uh, one topic I wanted to bring up, and we've talked about this in years past, but Michigan's starting to win recruits in the state of Ohio. They've got four kids in this class from Ohio. Now, I think a big part of that is Steve Klinkscale and his connections down in the Cincinnati area. How much of that is Klinkscale and just his his you know his effect in the recruiting, and how much is that is Michigan ha- having turned the tables within the rivalry? I mean, obviously, some of these kids maybe weren't directly recruited by Ohio State, but the fact that Michigan's winning those games is is kind of maybe opening the door for them just to pay attention and to like listen to Michigan. Yeah, I've for sure Klinkscale, um, his connections and ties and roots within the state of Ohio have been pivotal and crucial, and t- for Michigan to make those inroads in the state. Um, and if you ask Ohio State fans, none of those kids had offers, so they don't count. Uh, FY, you know, but if you ask those kids how they feel about it, they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder and they're going to play with a swagger and edge, especially when it comes in that game. And you look at a kid like Rod Moore. Okay. I think Ohio State wishes they offered a kid like him because he's performed pretty well, especially against the Buckeyes. Um, And the other point to add with Ohio recruiting is I think the biggest thing when it comes to these wins is. Michigan's more in the recruitment, but I think these kids growing up, they've always been, you know, born and raised to be Buckeyes. And it's been ingrained in their heads, you know, Scarlet and Gray, Scarlet and Gray, Scarlet and Gray, wherever they go. Now, I think after two wins and the way they did it, it's easy for a kid that maybe years past might have been liking Michigan, but they're like, I can't do it. How can I? How can I basically, you know, say to myself, this is the right school? I think it's an easier thing to pull the trigger and be like, listen, it's Michigan. Like, look what they're doing. Look at the results. The proof is in the pudding. And these kids are more willing. The best word is more willing to pull the trigger because of what they've done, the product on the field that they've seen against Ohio State. Yeah, because a lot of these guys, they grew up, all they knew were Ohio State victories over Michigan. I mean, they're not as old as us when they, they have more reference to the rivalry with when it was more even. I mean, the Buckeyes had dominated this rivalry for for basically their entire football lives. And then now Michigan wins back-to-back games, heads back to the college football playoff for the second straight year and say, oh, all right, so this is kind of what the rivalry can be. And, like, and it opens up some eyes, too. And um, but yeah, I think Clinkscale being an Ohio native and having a ton of relationships in the state too is really a game changer for Michigan. I know uh, a couple of the Ohio coaches I spoke to, uh, especially the Youngstown Cheney uh, coach. Um, I mean, because Clinkscale's from Youngstown, it's like, yeah, I mean, he's people pay attention to where. I mean, he's a big deal in in Youngstown. So when when he comes to Collin and says, "Hey, I, I'm interested in in you." The, Kids listen, so I, I think that's going to be an intriguing storyline as long as he's on staff. I think Michigan will 
will make more continue to gain ground in Ohio, which is which is deep because, like we said, some of their best players in program history have been from the state of Ohio. I mean, you said it, and <laughs> you know it's funny too because you know people are like, "Well, he's from Youngstown, so he's going to get these kids." Why well, I don't know where you guys went, Aaron and Ryan, to high school, but if you guys had your class reunion, there's not you don't always want to see these guys just because you're from the same area. doesn't mean I like all these people, you know? So that's the other thing. Like you said, Ryan, he's super likable, you know, and he's a guy that obviously, you know, they got the familiar familiarity with him and he's relatable, but he's also likable, you know, and he also connects with these kids on a personal level and you can see it from his coaching. They very much respect him on the field. And last point I want to make with Ohio kids is going back to the willingness is I think there was at years past almost like a backlash. So if you were, you look at a recruitment like Kyle Kalis way back in the day who was committed to Ohio State and then flipped to Michigan, the backlash he received for for going to Michigan for all the schools you could, the school you can't even mention, right? <laughs> and now you're seeing kids being loud and proud about, it, and they're wearing maize and blue on the schools because they're not afraid because they're like, listen, we've been up on the school here for two years in a row. And you're starting to see that in future classes. Well, they landed a four-star uh, Luke Hamilton from Avon, Ohio in the 2024 class. And he made it a point to me before he even committed was where's Ohio State been? You know, Michigan has made it clear that, hey, we are on you day one. We wanted you, and we're not wasting our time. And he made it also a point to me to say that he feels almost like Ohio State sometimes takes some of these kids for granted, that they can wait till the last minute to offer them, and they're, they're just basically going to come, you know, running to them. And that's not the case anymore. You know, after that Michigan-Ohio State game this year, he basically called Jerome Moore after the game and was like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And he committed right there on the spot. And that happened with uh, Cameron Calhoun, who took a visit to Ohio State and was at the game and committed to Michigan. So it's uh, you talk about, man, reversal of things from years past. Yeah, this is uh, interesting times there in Ohio recruiting for sure. Man, can you imagine if they face each other in the national championship too? Man, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, last thing before we let you go, and uh, like this year, I think one of the biggest storylines for Michigan overall is how much of an impact some freshmen have had. We, we talked about Will Johnson, but I mean, Colston Loveland, Mason Graham, I mean, these guys have big roles already for the Wolverines. I know it's early and tough to project at this point, but is there maybe some guys that you feel like could, could see the field early next year? I think two guys we kind of already talked about quite a bit. Um, Jair Hill who's enrolling early, and Cole Cabana. Um, when I look at three positions that are the easiest to get on the field and make an impact right away, I would always say cornerback, running back, and wide receiver. You know, it's tough to see a Mason. You don't see many Mason Grams. Let's get that out of the way, okay? <laughs> that is um, – there's not going to see many of those type of kids coming in and make an impact right away on either side of the lines. But I think with those two kids especially, they have the chance coming in early – to learn the playbook, get to work with Ben Herbert and get to know the system and the day, the ins and outs of being a Michigan football player and ultimately make a some some sort of impact and contribution 
uh, year one. I'm not going to say they're going to be Will Johnson or Mason Graham, but I think they can definitely see the field and um, we'll see. But I think the other big thing too is you have to factor in the transfers. If you're going to mention guys that could play and make an impact right away, these seven guys they have so far right now in the transfer portal, which is ranked number one according to the 24-7 sports rankings, um, several of these guys I think can play right away. So they're taking an interesting approach with recruiting and you know the transfer portal, which I bet you guys love more things to cover, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, it's certainly it certainly made things busier, and and like you said, I think it's certainly helped their class. I mean, they they've kind of made a late game flurry here, and it's run because it's a lot of, a lot of it's because of the transfers. You got like you said, seven guys, and I think four or five of them are legit plug and play starters next year, uh, and then they got some depth at quarterback. So. I think Michigan more than saved face here. I mean, their recruit class was struggling for a while. They they've really they finished strong, and I, like you said, I think it was the best certainly best case scenario for them on, on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, with with including the the transfers, I mean that's that's thirty new guys that they're bringing in uh, for next season, which is quite a, quite quite a bit um, compared to years past. So I mean, I mean, there's still the February signing period. Should should fans expect a pretty quiet February, or is there maybe some other guys that the uh, mission is keeping their <laughs> keeping the foot on the fire or a little bit too, and keeping uh, keeping tabs on some other guys? Well, I'll just quickly say the name to watch in February that Michigan's still heavily recruiting is Nicholas Harbor. He's six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's basically an Olymp- Olympic sprinter. I mean, he's got an elite elite track times to the point where wherever he goes, he mentioned to us that NIL will not be a problem for him because he knows if he went to Eastern Michigan, any school, he's going to get paid well, you know? So that's not going to be a factor in his recruitment. Um, And this is a guy that wants to run track and play football at the next level. And most people think he would be best at defensive, like end as an edge rusher, but he wants to play wide receiver, or tight end. I think Michigan's pitching like a Kyle Pitts sort of player comparison to him. And the best version they can show is look what we're doing with Colston Loveland. You know, if you come here, you're going to get targeted. How many offenses do you see four tight ends sometimes in a play? You know, so don't worry. You're going to come in, you're going to play right away, and you're going to be a difference maker. And he's the guy Michigan's competing with South Carolina, um, LSU, a couple other schools. And He's a five-star, and we talk about you need some of these five-stars to compete and win these big games. You look at the Big Ten Championship game, who are the top performers? Will Johnson, five-star. Donovan Edwards, five-star. J.J. McCarthy, five-stars. So every class needs some headliners, and if you were to land Nicholas Harbor, that ranking is definitely going to shoot up, and that's a guy definitely to watch going forward. Good deal, Bryce. Well, yeah, we definitely appreciate the time. And yeah, that's Bryce Marich with the Michigan Insider. You can also follow him on Twitter, uh, B-R-I-C-E-M-A-R-I-C-H. Um, does, a, does a great job for, for the Michigan Insider. Is, is on top of everything Michigan recruiting. We appreciate you having on. And uh, yeah, well, I think we'll see you later today for uh, for interviews for Bull Prep, too. So it's been uh, quite the whirlwind of, uh, of a December, and it's only going to get busier. Yeah, it never stops. Awesome talking with you guys, too.